Welcome to Echoes of New Eden. I am your host, Rambo. Seems like a while since my last episode. I did have a job change and I took some vacation time off. Now, right back on schedule. This week I had the latest game news. I decided not to do the roundtable this week, seemed to have had a short weekend. But I did get to have a sit down with Captain Benzie and we talked about a number of things. Let's dive right in. Here's a message from my sponsor this week. GRA is a tactical group geared towards guerrilla warfare, consisting of flexible pilots who adapt to any and all developments of the game. Utilize tactics together with the team. Thrive under pressure in small gang warfare. Be part of a federation. Apply by contacting a GRA representative or join their Discord at illgorilla.online. More info can be found at www.illgorilla.com. Become part of the legend. Alright, now let's get on to the game news. So really the only latest announcement from Evecho's uh, official Discord is uh, this week's maintenance. This Wednesday, September 15th at 8 o'clock UTC plus zero. The players will be prohibited from setting up the reinforcement timer for the Capsular Outposts and Corporation Citadels on subsequent Wednesdays from 0600 to 1200 UTC plus zero. For outposts that have been set up for that time period, uh, the reinforcement time will be delayed 24 hours and it will take effect the next time that it enters the reinforcement state. Alright, so with the latest patch notes, they did release the latest Concord Pass, so they talked a little bit about that. Uh, they had some optimizations, they updated the estimated prices like they do every week. They modified the skin icon to distinguish it from a ship icon. They fixed a couple bugs. One, they corrected the estimated price for some OPT chests. And two, they fixed an issue where players could not see a corporation contract once it was rejected. And so that was it for patch notes. Now to the media. So it looks like they're still banning accounts. It's 500 there, 500 here, 600 there. So... Uh, most of which being still abnormal anomaly behavior. People are still finding a way to get around that. So they had their weekly developer question and answering. And uh, here a couple of questions. Here is one. We'd like to know what we can expect from the cosmic anomaly variants. From, for now, we have small, medium, and large, and normal anomalies, and scout, inquisitor, dead spaces for specials. Are you guys planning to add more? And they answered with, currently we do not have a plan to add any new anomaly variants. The main reason is that they don't have ready modules or items in their hands to release those new anomalies. So if they do add new variants, they would only differ from the current ones in the amount of bounty or the number of items. Uh, another question, this one I thought was pretty pretty good. Can we have the ability to create custom routes by setting custom waypoints to be able to save them like bookmarks? 
They did take that as a suggestion. They've added to the feature request list and will start development once there's a settled timeline. Any plans to give the SOV map a filter option where you can see different alliances which belong together can get the same color. For example, if I have one main and two sister alliances in different SOV colors, would it be possible to declare that all this three alliances belong together and should be shown on the map in one color? As this is not a frequently used feature, they may not develop it soon. Their priority recently will be development of the capital ships and other related features. So they took that as a suggestion as well. And they, uh, here's another one. Would you please fix the war games rank system or a way to, for a team to win? I lost 10 games in a row, taking me from 2000 down to 1650 because the teammates AFK are killing me instead or just not paying attention. Please don't punish others for their bad teammates that we don't even get to pick. And the answer to that was they'll be bringing in self-made team feature into the game soon. A team consists of trusted friends will surely stabilize the win rate. Of course, indeed. So that's about it for the media. Let's go into player support news. So in the player support news, they did show the developer weekly Q&A and how you can submit the questions for that. And it's actually a menu in-game, and this I didn't know. Uh, but you can go through the settings, the customer service, and then there's a checkbox for developer weekly Q&A. And then uh, from there, you should be able to input your questions. So that's good. If you need help finding that, that is in the player support on the Eve Echoes Discord. So with that, we're skipping the roundtable this week. Uh, we'll get right into the interview I had with Benzie. He does talk a lot. You also heard my baby girl in the background a couple times playing with her toys, but that's all right. This was a pretty lengthy uh, interview, but I enjoyed it. Let's check it out. Ahoy there, I'm Captain Benzie, and welcome to Echoes of New Eden. Ahoy there, Benzie. Welcome. What is going on? Uh, not much. It's all good. Thank you ever so much for having me here. Oh, man. You know, thank you. It's uh, really my honor. I'm a big fan of yours. Always have been since I started the game. And uh, I'm, I'm just so glad to finally have you on the show. <laughs> I've been trying to just get through sort of like uh, my diary. I've had people asking for this kind of stuff. Um, like yourself, I know you sent me a message and then I ignored it for like a week. Not a genuine ignore. I just, I, I lose track of these things. I'm sorry. That don't feel so bad. I get it. It happens all the time. <laughs> Believe me, it happens. You know, some of these uh, bigger named people just in New Eden in general, uh, I understand they're busy people and they don't have time for me. So, um, I, I just make do with it and, you know, and move on. <laughs> okay, so who does have time for me, you know? How, how many times can I ping you before you actually reply to me? You know, I'll, I'll test people in that sense. Hey, talk to me, talk to me, talk to me. You know, so it's it's the nature of uh, the content creator, right? Being Doing a podcast like this, you know, so it is what it is. Fair point, fair point. So, <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Uh, so uh, for those who don't know you, Please give a, a small intro of yourself, and uh, yeah. Sure. 
So I am a content creator for Ebecos on YouTube. I have been playing since the open beta back in December 2019, January 2020, mainly focused on tutorial style videos, kind of someone in my Discord put it perfectly that what I try to do is, here's what I'm having fun with, here's how you can have fun too. So I do everything from talking about game mechanics, um, some sample ship fits and ideas of what you might like to do with a particular ship, just some basic inspiration, get you going. Um, I talk about balance quite a bit. I've done all all kinds of stuff for Ebecos. Um, just basically trying to grow the community, get everyone to club together and make this game the best it can damn well be. Yeah, that's uh, that's awesome. And like I said, I've been a longtime fan of yours and watching your videos, especially when I was not very knowledgeable about the game uh, before I became a content creator and had all, all, you know accesses to like fulmination and being able to test stuff myself uh, on an unlimited budget, let's say. <laughs> But um, but even then, we you know, we were talking to, we were talking about it before we started recording. Is uh, you had people back in the day lending you ships just to do videos and stuff, and I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, I was super lucky. Well, I'm super lucky in general, to be completely honest. I know this always sounds really trite and like I'm forcing it, but I do genuinely mean that. I'm just a guy who plays Eve Echoes. I like to talk about it, and for some reason, people some. People like to listen to me talk about it. Um, early on, yeah, that actually had people sitting there going, hey, if you give me a shout out in the video, I'll send you a phantasm. Just literally once we'd hit the point where phantasms were in the game. Um, here's a phantasm. Here's it with, it, uh, with the fittings. Just showcase it in a video. Give me a shout out. In some cases, I had people literally sending me enough ISK to buy Plex for a full respec and things like that as well. Um, just so I could try this out and showcase it. It's a fulmination. Oh man, the Fulmination Content Creator Test Server was the best thing to happen to me. It just it made it made me showcasing things that I normally wouldn't fly that bit better because I've got my two main characters. One's in Battle Cruisers, and of course everyone knows the frigate and destroyer main. So if it was a cruiser or a battleship or things like that, my goodness, the things were expensive early on trying mm -hmm. to trying to sort that out. But yeah. Yeah, it's nice to have that, and and then that following too. You know, give people shoutouts. You get ships, and I, I mean, I've gotten a couple faction ships too. I've my I've even had a a fan of the show say, "Hey, I'll give you a faction frigate," and I mentioned. I think my I had my wife on like a roundtable talk or something, and uh, I discussed it. And he's like, well, your wife, too, she plays a game, so what kind of faction frigate does she want? So I like, I had to ask her, I was like, hey, a fan of the show is wanting to send us ships. <laughs> you know, I, oh, I can't really sweet. say no. Uh, so, uh, yeah, her and I both ended up getting ships, and he, I think he was just quitting the game for whatever reason, and uh, he, had, he had stuff, he had materials to build the ships and uh, send them out, so uh, I thanked him for that. But to hear someone leaving, but... Yeah. same time at least you get a bit of fun out of it and the community genuinely um the support that they have for content creators has always been fantastic i feel um i've not always been so lucky with games in the past but eve echoes really it's it, it's been an interesting an interesting ride i think you know you get the the downs that you see on things like reddit and that but the, the way the community can club together for stuff like that just the, the, the things people do just to support each other it's really cool and that's ultimately all i've ever wanted just yeah. to make content to help build this community and just it like you said you said when you first started out um 
you know, I was trying to make videos to get people to just get over that initial skill barrier and into New Eden, enjoying flying ships. Once they're over that, I just, I saw people like my wife and a couple of my friends out here who picked it up, tried it for a couple of days, and just couldn't figure out what they wanted to do with it or how it all worked. And so they quit out of frustration. And I didn't want that. So thank you for your support. And indeed to anyone else out there listening who ever has supported any of the content creators. Content creators genuinely, I believe, make a community a better place. The more of us there are, the better the community's doing. Yeah, for sure. And we have quite a few, but there's a lot of a lot of content creators just make um battle videos, you know, and they record their battles or PvP stuff, you know, um along along with yourself. I don't think there's really any others that do like tutorials that's considered a official content creator. I mean, early on we had Excoundrel and Sovereign RPG both did similar sort of stuff. Um, Sovereign um, kind of went a bit more into the news and day-to-day life, Um, and Excoundrel unfortunately left uh, Eve Echoes when uh, League of Legends Wild Rift first launched. That was a game he had been waiting for, so for him that just took up all his time and energy. Um, Beyond that though, when we talk about like guys like Gengar and that who are going out and showcasing videos of them in fleet battles or solo PvP roams, B8KD is one of my favorite channels um, because he teaches me stuff. I'm sitting there watching his videos and same with Gengar and these other guys um, doing these fleet uh, fleet videos and, you know, solo roams. I'm looking at their fits and seeing what they're doing and how that works. I'm getting an idea of all that kind of thing. It also means that for someone like me who doesn't necessarily have time to go around and try and get perfect footage of PvP, there are other people out there showcasing that kind of content. I can sit there and go, well, actually, I've done a video on the Succubus, and I really like this ship, but if you want to see it pushed to its absolute limit, go watch B8KD. He's got some amazing bits and pieces you know, showcasing that. It's why I've not bothered redoing a Gama video at the moment, because he is absolutely slaying it with his. There's no need for me to, you know, to double up on that content. Uh, so you have actually branched out to, uh, what's that other game, Langrange? How's that? Infinite Lagrange, uh, the other uh, mobile space game by NetEase. <laughs> yeah, that's that's been an interesting one. It's a 4X or a real-time MMORPG. I normally don't really like these games. I've played things before, um, like Nova Empire and Hades Star and stuff. Um and they always felt just like pay to win. It's like kind of, oh, gather some resources. Now you've got to upgrade your base. And oh, if you spend money, you can do it faster. Infinite Lagrange tickles that kind of fancy of me to play a strategy-based game. Hmm. Um, my channel actually originally started with a Command & Conquer uh, mobile game, Command & Conquer Rivals. Um, so I, I like my strategy games. I just don't like them when they feel pay to win. And so many of those, like Stellaris uh, Galaxy Command, um, before Eve Echoes launched, that was one I dived into and thought I'd give a try, and it just it felt like the game was just wanting you to open your wallet at every opportunity. Infinite Lagrange, you've got an end goal to each server. The idea is that you've got like a load of chapters that you go through as a server together, and you're trying to occupy as many cities and build this big Stargate to open it and reconnect that system back to the Lagrange network. And once you finish that server, you carry your uh, your blueprints, your ship blueprints with you, but you have to restart your base again on a new server that's even tougher, that's got more uh, enemies, um, more people from other alliances that have all joined together and are going up against you. It's intense. 
it's intense, but it does seem to avoid most of the pay-to-win aspects this kind of game does. Like, the main things cannot be sped up with money. You have to sit and wait 24 hours for your base to upgrade. You have to wait for your action points to come back. So you, every decision you make and the order that you do things in does really count. I've been loving it. I was lucky enough to, a couple of weeks after I started playing it, um, actually had NetEase contact me and offer to sponsor some content, which has been, frankly, eye-opening. Wow. Um, I've had accusations in the past of, like, you know, our oh, Benzie's a shell, um, he's secretly on NetEase's payroll. No, no, I've never been for <laughs> Eve Echoes. Um, Infinite Lagrange, I'm not even technically on NetEase's payroll. It's uh, a secondary company that just works on behalf of. Um, and I've made sure that my contract has complete creative control in there. If I want to turn up one day and say, actually, the new balance patch is absolutely terrible. It's ruining the game. They need to sort this out ASAP. I want the I want the right to say that. My opinions are my own and will always be my own. Yeah. I'm not here to support the developers. I'm here to support the game. There's a subtle difference. It often looks like I'm supporting the developers and sort of saying, hey, you know, they're doing great. It usually is a case like with... Uh, you know, we're talking about balance and that in Eve Echoes a lot of these. I can sit there and say that the game is in the best position it has ever been in. We have a whole bunch of active players. We've got a good variety of ships. There are, you know, you've got exploration. Industry is still alive. I know there's all this talk about insurance and things like that killing mm-hmm. the game. There are still industry players. They're still playing. Mining is still a thing. The game's not perfect, but it is in a good place. There are things that definitely need improving definitely yeah. need improving yeah. we'll we'll get to that but uh yeah if there's if there's no complaints then there's no improvements so there it's just exactly a, you but know i like to sit there and say look you can be complaining about all these things like we'll touch on later i'm sure um but just because there are complaints and things doesn't mean that you have to think that the game itself is terrible i had a guy comment on youtube today literally calling me a shill because I dared to say that actually I quite like this uh, this third battle pass. In the video, I sit there and say things like, I don't like the fact that the, uh, the nanocores themselves are so darn expensive, and it's hard to get them as a free player. But then I also say, I get that it's, it's not necessarily built 100% around free players, kind of the, a big part of it. Whether you agree with it or not, a big part of these Concord parts is, is that they are trying to get a bit of extra actual cash to put into the game. It's excellent that you can buy so much, so many things with Plex, like uh, with ISK. You can earn your ISK, make your Plex, and buy your Combo Omega and things like that. Mm-hmm. But the game does still need to have ways to actually get cold, hard cash into it. I don't like that. I don't want to have to spend money on things, but at the same token, it's one of those things you have to accept that you look back on games like ugh, there were a list of them things like Vainglory and stuff like this, that just petered out and died because they didn't have support behind them. People weren't paying money into the game. And we don't want Eve Echoes to die like that. So right. you kind of sometimes have to accept that it may not like it, but that's the way it's got to be. And that doesn't so, make me a shill. It makes me a realist. You know, and I, I was what, I was I was just playing the game the other day, and I seen in the alliance chat somebody was uh, complaining about the new Concord Pass and it being like a, a paywall, or you know, people, you know, netties wanting to get money out of people. And uh, another person commented said, "You're playing a free game with no ads." 
you know and then i i was thinking to myself i was like what if they did put ads into the game where would they be would they be on the loading screen would i you know open up the corporation page and get an ad in my face you know before i can even see my corp wallet you know stuff like that uh we should be actually really grateful we don't have any crap like that um that's a couple of points to make that one if it was going to be anywhere it's i'd imagine you could actually probably have it when you're docked in a station um and you've got the screens there possibly playing adverts there that kind of thing but how terrible would it be to you know you jump a stargate and oh you've got to wait 30 seconds for this ad to play out before you can load it on the other yeah. side the time you've loaded in someone's dropped an interdictor bubble and blown you up sort of exactly thing. um <laughs> ads are not a great way for developers to make money though so a lot of them are moving away from it but the way I've always described Echoes is that this is very much a subscription-based game that has methods for you where your in-game gameplay can ease the burden on your wallet. You don't have to uh, you don't have to pay like five you know your five bucks a month. You can pay five bucks this month, and then if you manage to make up enough isk, you buy a month of a mega. Then after that, if you haven't quite made it up, you can spend the five bucks there. So that's five bucks every two months because you've been earning the isk. But eventually you hit a point where you're late in the game and you buy the Omega once to unlock all the ships. You can then go ratting and you, the amount of isk that you can earn easily buys your Omega for the next month. And if everyone could do that easily for everything, eventually everyone hits tier 10 and the game just dies because no one's putting money into it anymore. That's where the Concord Pass comes in. Right. It's that little bit extra to help support. And I wish, I, I wish we, I, I'm glad that they're beginning to weight it a bit more towards the free player side. Um, but I do think you could probably go a little bit further, have two thirds of it for free and the extra third is the paid third. But they know this more than I do. We're talking about a, a gaming company here that makes a ton of other games we've just mentioned infinite branch i've been playing super mecha champions uh, and things like that recently netties are a big developer they know how to do this kind of stuff without killing a game and they know that better than the community does ultimately and um, better than i do certainly hmm. so there's a part of me that just kind of i, I kind of have to defer and say i may not want to pay constantly and i get that not everyone can pay but it's a reality and i understand why asking us to do it i think that's what i'm getting at here but yeah. you don't have to necessarily like it you can just sometimes sit back and say right okay i get why and heck the in, in a worst case scenario even if you don't pay you're still getting a whole ton of extra stuff that you weren't beforehand yeah so to to add on to that concord pass you know i play the free concord pass i haven't been you know spending the money for the elite version of it so i i just pay the free one and I hit the weekly limit in like two hours of mining, so <laughs> I'm kind of, I'm I'm capped out currently until it resets. But um, I noticed that you can only get up to level seventy on the free. And I was like, why aren't you know? I, I think it may have happened on the second Concord Pass because I maxed out the level. I'm like, why am I not getting past this level? Uh, I I just didn't make a big effort, you know, to uh, figure out that oh, it was elite locked after level 70 so between 70 i think it's level 71 to 80 plus it's only for the elite um concord yeah, pass you, people you only get the second <clears throat> you only get the second yeah. rewards for it i mean i was Which only doing it for the skill points and <laughs> same 
same that's usually the reason like well insurance points have actually been darn useful as well especially oh, yeah. in docking an Astero and realizing how expensive those were recently um but certainly yeah um it, again it's one of those things people can complain about it and i can sit there and say well yeah wouldn't it be nice if you could get higher than that i mean you've got six weeks of 1150 points plus you've got two 400 points uh, for the login 30 days and login 50 days 15 days consecutively and you get 50 points free every week so that's another three levels there so you're getting eight 11 11 levels for free plus the uh 66 68 69 somewhere around there about 70 you can quite easily cap to that level 70 if you're doing it weekly you miss a couple of bits here and there then those login bonuses, the weekly missions um, do help you catch that up. And there's a part of me that says, well, yeah, wouldn't it be nice if actually you could go above level 70? Then there's another part of me that says there's not really that much above level 70, and it's just a nice bit of extra for those who do put the money in. And again, whether or not I choose to put the money in, I still have to accept I've got 70 levels worth of free stuff that I wouldn't have had without the Concord Pass. Right. Like, they could just not put the Concord Pass in, and we wouldn't get that half a million skill points. We wouldn't get all of the insurance points, the Concord credits and things like that. They could just not put it in. Which is which do these people prefer? Like you could go for no Concord pass or you could go for all of this Concord pass. Plus, if you pay, there's a bit of extra stuff to it. And that's just the way I look at it. But I don't know. I don't know. Maybe that's just me. Maybe that's just me. Maybe I am a shill. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it's more stuff to do, right? It's like uh, I, I personally, I, I get the skill points and then I save up the Concord Pass for the, uh, the thermomagnetic um, skins, the cores. And now they, with the Concord Three, we have the new ones. Uh, the name is boggling my oh, mind. Dark Halo. Dark Halo. Yeah. And oh, I love them so much. Man, it's what was a thermomagnetic? Was that? The thermomagnetic one had plus fourteen percent. I want to say these are plus eighteen percent, uh, depending on the That's role that you choose. Correct. There Man. is a concern. There is a genuine concern that power creep is a little bit of a thing here, but I think it's more that they made the original thermomagnetic storm cores the number ones. Then they, the next pass, the second pass, they made the thermomagnetic storm two cores because there were problems with the first one. Obviously, with things like not having missile bonuses or drone bonuses uh, for certain ships, the Thermomagnetic Storm 1s were pretty underwhelming. So what they did was they made the Thermomagnetic Storm Claw 2s, which had like missile bonuses for things like the Raven and the Drake, and they had drone bonuses for things like the Myrmidon and the uh, Dominics and stuff like that. But in order to not make the people who already had the Thermomagnetic Storm 1 feel left out, the Thermomagnetic Storm 2 had better turret bonuses as well. So it was mm -hmm. kind of a power creep there. But yes, is now kind of going across to the Dark Halo, and I'm a little bit worried. Is this going to continue? Yeah, like what's the next time, one? Is it... Yeah. Plus 22% damage. Yeah. Woo! Oh my gosh. Um, yeah, and then... Not. Yeah, it's like I, I spent all that time getting the Thermo 2s. Now they come out in a month, and I have to get the Thermo 3 that's, you know, plus 22%, you know, and... I don't know. I'm hoping this isn't going to be the case because at this point in time, I really think that um, what they need to do is to address the fact that currently, if you want to upgrade a nano core, um, you need to obviously go out and get all those items that you upgrade at the different data banks and things and the ch uh, chips. There are the triangular ones, and those are only currently available in the Concord Pass. And at the current rate, in order to get to level five of a nano core, you need to do eight 
Concord passes to completion, <laughs> assuming that you don't have the RNG. That's too much. That's yeah. too much. We need those triangles to be available in the game outside of the event, or we need the amounts dramatically reduced and that RNG removed. Because that's just not fun. So that's just not fun. Tell me, tell me this, and may, I, I'm not really sure. I haven't tested it myself, but on the Thermo Twos or maybe the Dark Halos, you can roll for the bonuses. So say like the Coveter Two, if you have like Strip Mining, whatever, uh, and then like uh, Cargo Hold Capacity, there's a button that you can press to like refresh those rolls or those uh, attributes so you can maybe get Secondary one that yeah. yeah so maybe you can get one with like stability warp stability or warp speed or something you know something different have you tested that do you know if that's true yeah absolutely so for in, in using the uh the hurricane one for example um i've gone for the hurricane thermomagnetic storm two core on my main um hurricane character um i went just straight for the additional damage i think it's 18 percent uh, turret damage um, directly on that it's a nice little buff then you can level up your core you have that first primary attribute to start with you then use the skill chips and things like that not skill chips nanocore chips combat chips that kind of thing to level up your nanocore once you've leveled it up to level one the game randomly generates a secondary attribute now in the case of the thermomagnetic storm 2 for the hurricane first one of these that I got was actually missile damage, and that's useless to me. It's a turret ship, it's fitted with turrets, I don't have any missiles on it whatsoever. I then needed to spend additional items to re-roll that yeah, uh, That's right. to be something more useful. I remember you in, complaining about that. <laughs> in addition to that, in order to get to that point, you have to spend these items to level up. The first level up, it's just two, uh, two level ups you need to do. You get it to fifty percent, and then bam, it completes. That's it's a chance that you'll do it. And later on, you've got like you have to level it up four times to get it up a level. Um, like you know, you have to put in materials four times to level it up, and each of those is also a random chance. So you might get all of the data cores and. Uh, like data chips and things like that that you want to get it up to from level four to level four point four and a quarter or whatever and then it fails and then you've still got to get another four times those materials to get it up and that's where this comes ridiculously expensive with these triangles because if you if you save up enough triangles to theoretically get you from level four to level five you have to hope that RNG is in your favor and that you'll actually get to level five. And then once you do hit level five, you need to cross your fingers again and hope that the bonus you get is one that's actually useful to you. Right. And what is worse about this and really upsets me is that you get things like, for example, flight velocity plus 8%. And then one of the other random attributes is flight velocity plus 11%. So even if you get the stat you want, you now have this horrific choice in the back of your head of, well, I've got the flight velocity. Do I want to re-roll it and hope I get the better one? And that's just not fun. Right. That just that that's where nanocores stop being fun for me. I've not leveled any of them up beyond level two. My hurricane is at level two, and other than that, I have not leveled any of them for this exact reason. Yeah, so with the with this Concord Pass, I'm waiting for you know I'm I'm 
I'm torn because the Maelstrom is my baby on my uh, main account, and they Ooh, don't have choice. a they don't have a dark halo uh, core for the Maelstrom. Did you did you look into that? Did you ever see that? I was looking for battleships, but they didn't have it for Maelstrom. Though they do have a Thermo two nano core, and so I'm only about two thousand. Concord points away from the Thermo 2 for the Maelstrom, but I'm a little bit disappointed that it didn't have it for Dark Halo. So I'm almost kind of like on the edge of spending the points, but yet not spending the points because maybe in Concord 4 they would throw a Dark Halo on the Maelstrom. Yeah, and this is another concern, and it's it's not a fun situation to be in. It really is not a fun situation to be in to get to that point where you're like, well, I finally got the points. Let me upgrade, you know, let me buy that nanocore and then I can start to upgrade it. And then a couple of weeks later, after you've spent all those points, after you've poured a load of time, energy and effort into, you know, upgrading it, something better comes along. And that to me really speaks to the fact that Netties need absolutely need to get a hold on of this kind of power creep idea and say that all of these stats now have a limit so the big example of this is that for a lot of the ships that have the dark halo uh, a lot of those are ships that don't have the thermomagnetic storm there is some crossover there but for the most part it's this ship has the thermomagnetic storm this ship has the dark halo and they're fairly comparable for the most part issue is and where i really start to feel bad for people is when they've spent all of the money they had for example getting the will of steel nanocore in the last battle pass only for that to be categorically outclassed by the new dark halo if you had a will of steel core for example for a rattlesnake and you'd gone for the additional five percent shield well that's lovely that it's five percent shield the new dark halo core for the rattlesnake is like 18 percent shield jeez it's a massive, beastly increase, and it feels terrible. Yeah, it feels terrible slap in the to be face. that player and going, yeah, yeah. And I, I get why you'd lose trust in Netties if that happened. So they need to sit there and say, right, eighteen percent is the biggest this stat can be. If we make other nano cores in the future, they need to have different stats, or they need to have you know varying values. Like in this case, the Dark Halo is weapon damage, um, armor or shield amount. Um, just straight up increase on those or flight velocity so maybe next time they do one of these it still gives you that 18 percent weapon damage um but rather than shield amount it gives you shield booster amount and armor repairer amount so it's active tank rather than passive tank that's a meaningful choice actually sitting there and looking at those two nano cores and going right actually this one works better with my ship this one not so much you have a decision to make Whereas right now, it was just a case of, oh, I've got the Will of Steel. This one's better. I need to buy that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So uh, adding on top of that, we'll get into the topic of interceptors. And these go on to uh. interceptors. Like, interceptors already aren't OP. Now you can throw these nanocores on them and make them even better. What the heck? So this actually does work in, so I'm going to jump back. I'm going to jump back. First of all, hands down, yes, interceptors, in my opinion, need a massive nerf. Just for the simple fact that they do entirely too much. When you've got a sandbox game like EVE, in order to balance it, you've got to make sure that you have meaningful decisions without 
but meaningful decisions is the most important part. So if you make one ship good at everything, then that's what you're going to fly. There's no meaningful decision. Everyone who has frigate skills flies an interceptor, no matter what they want to do. Want to haul cargo? Use an interceptor. Want to go? Uh, want to go exploring? Use an interceptor. Want to do combat? It's an interceptor. It's it. There's no choice there. But equally, making it so that interceptors are useless for everything except intercepting takes away that choice. Like, oh, mm. if, if you want to go exploring, you use the explorer. If you want to go cargo hauling, you need to use this. If you want to do that, you need to do that takes away the choice. So to me, I don't mind that interceptors haul cargo. They don't have as big a cargo hold as, say, a probe explorer, but they also do it AFK. So you've got a meaningful choice there. Do you just want to go AFK hauling? and run to high sec through any bubbles there because your interceptor can do so, but only carry 500 cubic meters? Or do you want to carry 2,500 cubic meters, but you have to use your uh, look-over ops cloaking device and that to actually run any of the gate camps? Mm -hmm. It's a choice. Interceptors currently, though, just do entirely too much. There is n there's no counter to them. There is no way to counter an interceptor. Right now, if an interceptor does not want to engage you in a fight, there is no way for you to counter. And I don't have a problem with that in and of itself. It's an interceptor. That is the point of this ship. It's good to get in, to tackle, wait for the big boys to come with the interdictor spheres, and then GTFO out of there. So the fact that it's hard to catch, the fact that it's bubble immune, the fact that it can cargo haul doesn't bother me. It's the fact that it can do all of that and out DPS a faction for a game. That's where the problem comes. Yeah. So when you take an interceptor, and you take off its current nano core. So, for example, someone running an Atron 2 interceptor with the uh, Serpentis um, NCO, that basically turns it into a high powered Daredevil. It's a lot more expensive, but it does everything a Daredevil does and more. However, if you take that core off it, suddenly the Daredevil gets its web bonus as an advantage, and it's got its DPS as an advantage, which the Atron suddenly doesn't have. And if you put the new disruption nanocores on the Atron, it just becomes better at tackling, but not as good as the damage. So to me, that's almost a step in the right direction. It just needed to also come with the actual nerfed interceptors. So with the, what would be a proposed interceptor nerf? I think uh, a lot of the talk is to take a high slot off to kind of even out that DPS. Pretty much. So one thing I can say, I can't say too much about this because of things like NDAs and that. First fact, I don't know anything ahead of time. Like people say, oh, Benzie knows what's coming next. No, no, I really don't. I wish I did. Um, but the NDA just stops me talking about the very few things I do know. I had a wonderful chat with Melos two weeks ago. Um, Melos and I sat down in Discord. He typed out some questions for me. I gave some questions back and gave my responses. Um, and one of the things I really want to say about that is this guy's clearly very passionate about getting this game balanced to a point where it's fun and fair for all. And he clearly wants this game to, you know, to do well. It's a, it's not just a, a quick money grab. It's something he wants to be doing for a long time. And we got onto the subject of interceptors and like other and destroyers. And the reason I talk about destroyers here is we talk about the interdict. Now, interdictors, the uh, netties have a document basically where they're looking at each individual ship and its different types, and it's kind of its functionality. So, interdictors, for example, next to interdictor, it had plus tackle, minus tank, 
minus speed, minus DPS. And that was kind of the point that when the Interdictor Destroyers came out, they were doing a lot more DPS than the design brief intended for them. So they nerfed them down to those two high slots. The interesting part is that next to the Interceptors, they've got plus tackle, plus speed, minus tank, minus DPS. They do more DPS than most of the Destroyers do, um, and they definitely out-DPS every single class of frigate. So by NetEase's own internal like idea of what an Interceptor should be, they're doing too much. Again, they also are just doing too much in other ways, shapes, and forms. The fact that they're cargo hauling doesn't bother me, because I do still cargo haul in a probe covert ops, because I can carry a lot more in it. It just requires me to actually be attentive at my phone, and you know, when I hit a gate camp, I play with the covert ops cloak. It's a meaningful choice. Even when scanners, uh, even if they do fix the exploration frigates to have three mid-slots so that they can actually go exploring properly, it's still a meaningful choice there that the Explorer gets bonuses to scanning and has the Covert Ops functionality, whereas the Interceptor, you're going to have to rig more, but it gets the bubble immune. It's it, it kind of, you know, you still have a meaningful choice. The trouble is when it comes to combat. Currently, Interceptors do entirely too much. The fact that they can do all those things and the combat is the issue. So, yes. You take off one of those mid-slots, you've now already knocked off 33% of the DPS. You've gone from three, if it was 100 DPS per turret, you've gone from 300 down to 200. Now, to, to you correct, to you, you said mid-slot, you mean high slot? Correct, sorry, okay. yes. Yep. You take off a high slot um, and you go from, if it's 100 DPS per turret, you go from 300 DPS down to 200 DPS. Knocks off a third of the DPS already. Then you go into the Advanced Frigate Command skill, and you take off all of their combat bonuses there as well. This means that you now have a ship that has no combat bonuses, like the Explorers and things like that, um, and you put something else in there. Now, I don't know what that something else would be. I've suggested it could be things like Inertia, which would help you accelerate and decelerate that a little bit faster, help you hold a tighter orbit, change direction and get out of there that little bit faster. Yes, Interceptors already warp ridiculously quickly, but maybe you could also increase their warp speed like the Dramiel has, or their acceleration into and out of warp. You could do all kinds of things like tackle strength, tackle range, um, and other meaningful Interceptor-based skills. Get rid of the DPS, and suddenly... Going from three high slots with those bonuses down to two high slots, using the Slasher 2 Interceptor as an example, it drops down to 35% of its current DPS. So if you've got that Slasher all the way up to you know 500 DPS, it's now all the way down at whatever 35% of 500 is. I don't have the capability of doing that kind of maths off the top of my head at that quickly. <laughs> um, but it, it, the downside of this and the problem with this if you're someone who likes to go and do solo PvP or even fleet PvP in small ships, what's your alternative if they take out Interceptor's DPS? We don't really have anything else at Tech 10. Now, with the Dark Halo cores, I think actually the faction frigates do pick up the pace there and become an excellent combat alternative for a very similar price to what we're already paying for a Tech 10 Interceptor. So to me, that kind of self-fixes itself, but I would still like to see things like a Rifter 2 or a Rifter Assault. My ideal dream would to be have every single type of frigate up at tech level 10 represented. So using the Minmatar as an example, um, we would have a Slasher Intercept, Slasher 2 Interceptor, alongside a Rifter Assault or Rifter 2, a uh, Breacher 2 Assault, 
a burst two, or a burst three, sorry, um, and a vigil two, and stuff like this. You know, every single one of those frigates should be represented at tech level 10. And yes, that means you've got six or seven frigates at tech level 10, but frigates are all about their versatility. They're cheap, they're fragile, but they're versatile. Mm-hmm. Having spoken to Melos about it, the developers are absolutely aware. Um, the content creator channel on the official Discord was lit up the other day. Um, Joseph came in and sort of said, you know, look, if we do this, how are we going to do it? Um, and there was a big discussion. I gave my ideas. I Gengar gave some ideas as well. Um, and Joseph said, right, okay, I've been talking to a lot of people in the community. He's presented it to the developers. Um, we have had word back that the developers are keen to figure something out here. They're just trying to work out exactly what the best way of doing that actually would be. So the the big news here is that even if we don't know when the next balance patch is, my personal feelings is that it's going to be January before we get the next main patch. The way that the developers have been talking and the way that Joseph has been talking about this, like how urgent is this compared to X, Y, or Z? And all of us were very much like, yeah, this is absolutely the most urgent thing in my personal opinion that needs to happen. Like, as much as I want the Explorer frigates to get that third slot, as much as I want new ships out of Tech 10, as much as I want the hacking minigame for exploration and all these other things, in my opinion, fixing interceptors is one of the most vital things that can happen to uh, to, to Eve Echoes as a whole. Certainly more important than blasted carriers and dreadnoughts, but hey, <laughs> apparently I'm alone in that one. Right. <laughs> but it's nice to see... It's nice to see that the developers at least are agreeing with this. They're going, right, okay, we get that you people are saying this is urgent. We're listening. We're looking into it. I'm hoping this is not... I say January for a balance patch simply because we've got no information on the Trello right now, and the the Trello goes right up until December. So the earliest it can be is January. It was originally scheduled for uh, August, so I like to be positive and think that it's going to be early next year. I'm hoping January. But yeah. I'm hoping that the way the developers are responding, that this looks like interceptors might get some kind of change before then. This might be something that happens as part of our weekly maintenance. Yeah. And in my opinion, it needs to. Yeah. I don't know, maybe maybe that's just me. <laughs> what are your thoughts on this? Well, um, yeah, pretty much um, experiencing them myself and uh, being in these interceptor rooms and using them for hauling, you know, back back and forth from high sec and uh they are overpowered <laughs> it's a dps on them is ridiculous for what they are and uh being a i don't really do too much else because uh i i really only go into interceptors just to go to high sec and back really i, I don't even really do roams that much um but i'm i'm always in other stuff like my battle cruisers and industrial ships or uh my maelstrom that's basically it but you know i i get court mates that talk about it and we get you know reds that come into system and that's all they use interceptors and you can't stop them i I know that's a huge complaint pretty much in every alliance is man we get these rooms and you can't stop them and uh, there's no like ability to defend your space if (laughs) you got these people that are coming in and they're immune to bubbles and they they warp super quick and they they align and all this crap and you know uh it, at at the end of the day it's defending your space too you you're not giving them 
all the attacker the attackers have the upper hand right and that's not what it should be they should be coming in kind of as the underdog and using skills and uh strategy to be able to get their kills and whatnot and to the people that are being attacked um they not only do they feel really at victim now but at least they'll be able to defend themselves against them thing is i think you nailed it really there when you say it's not so much in my eyes it's not so much that the defend uh, the attackers the interceptors have the advantage they're interceptors they should always have that advantage as part of their role it's the fact that you, as you said there's nothing you can do about it there's no counter and people will sit there and say well what about if we added smart bombs now smart bombs is something that is always going to be a difficult to implement um and b it's the versatility you you've said there every time you look for someone in local and it's like oh look there's a red in the system i wonder what he's flying you know it's going to be an interceptor there's no versatility at all as a frigate pilot at tech look i'm a frigate pilot main for crying out loud and i'm sitting here saying that our best card our trump card the, the card that does everything needs to go away i need to rip this card up and do something right. else yeah i spent 3.5 billion on an astero literally the day that uh like people were getting the uh the free and building asteros i spent 3.5 billion on just the hull so that i could go exploring in something that wasn't a blasted interceptor i know that's not what you know the astero is not worth that much i don't believe the astero is worth that much but i was willing to pay that to get out of flying uh, somebody saw you coming damn <laughs> someone in my own alliance <laughs> believe it or not oh gee. Um, couldn't even give you the homie <laughs> hookup he he did message and say, look, I'm I'm selling it at this ridiculous price because that's what people are willing to pay right now. I said, yes, and I'm one of those people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think, it's just, it, I it's think interesting uh... to see that talking to people about this with interceptors, a lot of the people crying out for nerfs aren't just people who are salty that they're losing ships to interceptors. A lot of them are interceptor pilots themselves saying, there's no point in me flying anything else. I'm mm-hmm. hit tech level 10 and everything I do is an interceptor. The game's boring for me now. You know, I go into faction war games and I fly an interceptor. I decide to go for some real PvP and it's an interceptor. I want to haul stuff. It's an interceptor. I want to go exploring. It's an interceptor. Yeah. In uh, the last Astero I seen for Stale was just around one bill. And I was almost about ready to pay it. I was like, I don't. I was like, if if you say 999 million, I will pay for it. If it's 1B or higher, I'm not saying I paid a billion for that ship. But I, I, th- I want to say they're down to just over a billion now. Yeah, they've they've come right <clears throat> the way down. For a couple of reasons. One, people are realizing that they're not quite the people people thought they were going to be. There's a lot of misunderstanding that because it's got that covert ops cloak and the zero lag delay, that this is something that you can use to be an ambush predator and really mess up your opponent. The trouble is, again, you're going to be going up against interceptors for the most part, and if an interceptor sees you decloak, yeah, you've got no lock delay, but that cloak has dropped your already fairly low scan resolution, so they're going to easily warp away and get out of there. Mm-hmm. Besides, if you're using an Astero for actual scanning, you've got a wide-range scanner, you've got a relic da- a relic analyzer, and a data analyzer. You've got no tackle, so they can just warp away. Anyway, you have to go for a very specific fit if you want to try that PvP, and I just think that there are other ships better. I honestly think that the worm works better in PvP than the Astero. And trust me, I've seen some fantastic stuff 
I wish I could send you on, you know, on screen or something. Um, a friend of mine in Iveco is Vachetti. Vachetti, I'm not actually certain how you pronounce it up. Um, has sent me literally like 20, 30 kill mails using an Astero on some really quite expensive ships. But it's a bully. It's not an aggressive hunter. It's just a bully. If you drop into a... If you're exploring in an Astero and you see someone else out there, um, it's great at punching them in the face and getting them to run away so you can have the sight instead of them. But it's not really this lethal killing machine. And I'm okay with that. The price will come down once we start getting debris a bit more. Um, but I think the price is also coming down because exploration is just in a really bad way at the moment. Because yeah. of how because of how the relic and data sites respawn. When you clear a relic or data site and it despawns, it goes on a timer. And from what we can gather, um, again, I've not had this confirmed by the developers or anything, but from what we can gather, it's 108 hours is what they told us is the full respawn timer. But it appears that that chance increases over time. So if you run the math backward on that, we're basically saying that you get a 0.8% chance additive every hour after it spawns. So the first hour it's 0.8, then it's 1.6, then it's whatever that is, you know, plus 0.8 every hour until it respawns. Trouble with that system is if you go into a region and you find every single relic or data site there, they all despawn, it's theoretically three or four days before anyone else can find one again. In EVE Online, when a relic or data site despawns, another one will spawn somewhere in the same region within two minutes. Not in the same, never in the same system, just somewhere in the same region, which means it's impossible to farm them because you could be, say, at you know, one end of the Great Wildlands and it's just spawned at the other end. But mm -hmm. it means there's always content there for people to engage with. And right now, we're hearing of people going like literally, you know, 100, 200 systems it's it's not a good way of making isk at the moment. That time could be spent literally running advanced encounters and making more isk at yeah. tech level seven. So it it there's so much that needs to be balanced out. So a couple things. It's funny you said Versetti, he's my neighbor in game. And then another one, uh <laughs> Is it Versetti as well? Yeah. Excellent. Um Yeah, he's legitimate. When I saw those kill mails, I was like, Oh, I know him. <laughs> yeah. Um the um you know it's funny about the the scanning is i had a member who was scanning and he was going from all parts of new eden and uh 70 jumps there 50 jumps there and uh he comes back to the home system and he's like you know i went around all new eden didn't find a single relic site or whatever that he was doing he scanned our home system and found one he's like there was one here the entire time <laughs> <laughs> you know uh yeah and i get that I've, I've done days where there was one day a couple of weeks back i genuinely i was taking screenshots to prove to the developers how like bad this situation is i flew through every single system in derelict the void the bleak lands and sync Lazon. every single system scanned it down took a screenshot of the no systems uh, no signal anomalies you know nowhere uh, anomalies found none then a guy, I'm sitting there talking in Alliance chat saying, this is terrible. I've spent six hours going around and I found nothing. And a guy goes, really? Because I've just found three in the same re uh, the same constellation back in Scalding Pass. And I'm just like, oh. <laughs> it's just, ah, oh, it's infuriating. Yeah. Okay, so... Of course, it means those 
three came off cooldown at a similar time. Yeah. So then it, the, it, it, it's not me because I, I do the scans and it says no signals found. I've never found one. And here I thought, okay, my skills suck or just something about me is wrong. So maybe it's not the case. If you are flying in high sec, every single, um, every single relic and data site can be found with a minimum scan res of 230, which is an unskilled explorer level. Uh, the meta level eight ones they will at uh, the meta level eight uh, scanners wide resonant scanner will find every possible uh, isec uh, relic and data site if you can get that down to 120 meters you can now find every single site that can spawn in low sec it's the minimum one is 75 meters but that's only for one particular relic site and one particular data site if you can get down to about 90 95 you find every single site except for that one um so in in null sec and in null sec you can spawn some of the low sec ones as well so there's a bit of a crossover there but basically if you can get down to about 90 meters you can find almost everything in the game those one sites are so ridiculously rare that it's almost like what's really the point mm -hmm. i'm going around in a stero that's got like 60 and i'm still finding that um, yeah because they wow. just don't exist they just don't exist and it's oh it's mm. <laughs> I want to do this. It's a part of the game I've always loved since EVE Online, and I love the scanning minigame. I can't wait until we get the hacking minigame. I love the scanning minigame, and it just it disappoints me that I never get to do it these days. Hey, well, maybe we can uh, look forward to them making uh, little adjustments on that then, huh? Fingers crossed. I mean, I get why they started it the way they did. They're worried that everyone's going to go, oh, new system, suddenly start scanning. And if they make the sites too common, and suddenly the market is going to be flooded with all of these rigs that, you know, all these rig systems, um, all these new decryptors and stuff like that. And I get why they did that. But I'm also sitting here going, well, maybe that's not such a bad thing. We've just had integrated rigs added, which are chewing through rigs. Mm -hmm. Maybe just maybe flooding the market with auxiliary thruster three blueprints is exactly what we need right yeah. now yeah well yeah we'll see about that so <clears throat> i mean other than the fact that it would make interceptors even cheaper uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> all right well let's uh let's continue on here i know we've been talking about uh you know interceptors and scanning and whatnot for a while but what what are your thoughts on the uh, game progression and uh, improvement? I know we got capitals coming out here uh, next month. Now that we, dang, time is just. <laughs> Yesterday was August, yeah. right? Now, uh, now we got inter, uh, cap capitals right around the corner, and I know uh, oh, some no, of man, these. It still feels like June to me. Yeah, I know. Where is this time I'm gone? Still yeah. 2021, what happened? Um, so, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Game progression and things like that. Right now, I'm very much in two minds of this. I think people are very well aware what my stance is on capital ships. Um, so I'm going to start this off by saying, look, if you like capitals, if you've been looking forward to capital ships since the game launched, I am very excited for you. I am so glad that you are getting to fly a ship that you've been looking forward to. I personally think that now is completely the wrong time to introduce those. Um, we've got no big wars going on. There's no real need for like any form of... The, the Dreadnoughts are there to basically be force multipliers. They are big ships that dominate the battlefield. 
and we just don't have those battlefields right now. Like people, we we've just had to change to sovereignty that you can now you can make your citadels invulnerable. The whole Intosis Link thing. Now that's going to take time because these are very expensive structures to build, let alone upgrade to that level two. And no one wants to build a second one before they've upgraded the first one to level two so that it can't be destroyed. So we are gradually expanding sovereignty over the star map. And I just look at that star map, I click on the sovereignty uh, like filter, and I have a look at the map as it currently stands. And there is still way too much black space to actually bother with dreadnoughts, in my opinion. I think, you know, if they had released these in February or March next year, we're going to have some time to have built up that sovereignty map and then actually have dreadnoughts go out and smash against it. As it happens, basically, these are even more expensive ratting ships than than battleships. And yeah. then carriers are going to be the same thing. You just, you're going to get people sitting in a carrier soloing all of the content possible in the game. And I don't know, there's a part of me that's really worried about that. We've just got rid of our low-sec dragons, the people who were sitting in bad hair day all day long, just generating isk, generating isk, generating isk, not spending any of it because they're not needing to. We've already got a fully upgraded ship. Now they're just making isk for the sake of it, Yeah, which... Getting really fat. damaged the market. Yeah. It's a dragon sitting on a hoard of gold. And that gold should be circulating in an economy and actually doing stuff. It's it wasn't. Just fixed that. Now I'm worried that we're gonna hit a point where capital, a carrier, for example, can sit at 140 kilometers and just wreck everything in any type of anomaly. And oh look, you've scanned me down and jumped in in your fleet of frigates. I don't care because I've got a whole fleet of fighters. That I'm going to launch at you instead. And I just, I don't know. I don't know. Well, who's Unless... to say that they don't adjust their anomalies? There is that, but then that's pushing people who are lower down out of content that they're currently doing. So, mm. it, 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 to me, it's just, I'm excited for people who are excited, but myself, especially as a frigate pilot, I'm sitting there going, this this actually reduces my gameplay even further. Right. Um, as a fun story, Benzi as the, the main frigate character. My original plan was that I was going to, you know, change this actually ties in nicely thinking about it onto the concept of game progression. Um my original plan was to max out every skill that had frigate or destroyer in the name at five five five, which I've done. Then to max out all of the well to five five four at least, all of the uh, sort of the generic skills like shield, armor, uh, micro warp drive, afterburner, that kind of thing, which again I've done. I then took every single small weapon, so small lasers, operation and upgrade, missiles, up, operation upgrade, all of those to 554, and then sat there and went, well, what do I do now? And I took cruisers up to, you know, add in the bellicose covert ops. Heck, I've already got medium skills, I may as well fly some cruisers from time to time. Um, then I went back and started actually having a look at this. And on Benzie, there's not much I can do these days. I can join Interceptor Roams and just, you know, get bored flying an Interceptor. Or I can go out in my Estero and explore for sites that aren't there. Or I can try ratting. And ratting is, as I said, I've got cruiser skills, so I can use a bellicose. But I'm sitting there doing 800 DPS in a fleet of people doing 2,000 upwards. Yeah. And still hitting destroyers and stuff. So I feel useless. Benzie, now that I've got large missile skills because of 
stealth bombers, because obviously I skilled into anything that's related to frigates, I got rid of small lasers and small railguns, because there was no point me having all of these different options when I wasn't flying any of them. So now I'm skilling into battleships in order to fly, you know, something like a typhoon or a raven or something that can actually be useful. And that sucks. <laughs> I spent so much time and effort filling up like my frigate and destroyer skills for destroyers to be ultimately useful other than small missiles and small drones. Um and then interceptors just to be dominating the rest of it. So it's the game progression. I don't know, it feels like Netties are basically pushing you towards the bigger ships. Once you hit Tech 10, you should be flying battleships, is what they're saying. Um, and that kind of works with interceptors being the way they are, because they're cheap to skill into, so you can pick a battleship and then pick an interceptor, and you'll have all the skills you need and make both of those work. It just sucks if you wanted to fly destroyers, cruisers, or battle. Like, Silent Rose is my battle cruiser alter specialized heavily into hurricanes basically every skill that benefits the hurricane has whether it's hurricane hurricane guarding the hurricane logistics but i have that same problem i'm sitting in a hurricane doing maximum of 1100 dps with a fully tricked out nano core then i could sit there in something like a tempest doing 2500 dps from range if it's a tempest striker Mm -hmm. And you know what the maelstrom's like. Yep. Why would I use a? Why would I bother using a hurricane that does a thousand one hundred DPS when I could be using a maelstrom? Yeah, and I'm pushing almost three cold. Exactly, that's a terrifying amount of damage. Yeah, and obviously, I take it you're capable still of hitting some of the smaller, faster moving ships in those anomalies. Yep, because mm -hmm. of course you just use angular velocity against them. So. I love Eve Echoes to Pieces, but Tech 10 needs work. I think it's one of those, having Tech 10 isn't a problem, as long as everything's accounted for at that level, and balance is adjusted in such a way that everything at that level has a use. Why is there not a Tech 10 Combat Hurricane? Why is there not a Tech 10 hurricane, uh, Combat Drake? Why isn't there a Tech 10 uh, like uh, Thrasher, or Coercer, or Cormorant, or things like that? Everything needs to be represented at tech level 10 i think then that makes more sense alternatively the i the thing i've said since the start is that maybe tech level 7 tech level 8 where the best combat versions should be and anything higher than that has a whole pro and con thing going on. so if you're flying a tech level uh tech level 7 uh, cyclone that should be the best dps version of the cyclone there's no reason that the cyclone guardian should do more dps and have better tank the cyclone because it's also got the guardian skills it's just a better ship therefore by the time you can fly a cyclone guardian uh, cyclone uh command sorry there's no point flying any other cyclone you just fly the cyclone command or you fly the cyclone guardian if you want shield but you never fly the cyclone again because it's flat out worse yep <laughs> sorry i can really rant about yeah, this i'm well you... aware yeah, and you know, and and you rant to the uh, devs, and you know, hopefully they listen and make the changes, and we just gotta be optimistic about it. Um, ultimately, at the end of the day, it's not killing the game for me. You know, I still have fun in the game. So exactly, and I think that's the key point. People are still having fun in this. People are still enjoying flying whatever it is they want to fly. Um, I just, I, I, I want things to be as good as they. 
I do also apologize. Yeah, I'm well aware I can ramble well on into the night about all this kind of <laughs> stuff. I do feel for you editing this after. Oh, no um, worries. <laughs> but I don't know. I, I, I think there's also a worry that I think a lot of people, it's it's not just about me balancing. I, I don't think it's just about, oh, Benzie's talking to the devs and Benzie's saying this. Hopefully they listen to Benzie. There are plenty of other people in this community saying the same thing, and other people have different ideas. Now, it's, there's a line in The Expanse that I absolutely love, where Avasarala says, one of us is wrong. I think it's me. I think it's you, but I hope it's me. And <laughs> there's a part of me that like carries that across into balanced discussions. I have my own ideas of balance, and in my head, those are the right answers. I, I know what I want Interceptors to be. I know what I want this to be, and I know how I want the game to play. But how I want Eve Echoes to play is not necessarily how the next person along wants Eve Echoes to play. So my ideas would make for a very different game than what we have now. I'm not saying I would make it Eve Online and change absolutely everything around to be exactly the same. There's a part of me that quite likes the fact that you know both armor and shield tank are low slots here, for example. Um, makes it simpler and easier for new players to get into and understand how those work. That Oh, your low slots are there for things like your armor tanking, that, you know, shield boosters and armor reps are both low slots. And even online, shield boosters are mid-slots and armor reps are low slots. Your propulsion units are mid-slots. Your tackle is mid-slots. So it, it makes a much more complex ship design when you have to decide, on this ship, I can tank it out because it's got a load of low slots and I can go armor tanking. This one is clearly geared more towards shield tanking, but if I go shield tanking, I'm not going to have all the propulsion I want. I might not have tackle and things like that. I'm not talking about going that crazy. Just, I don't know. There's there's a lot I would like to change, and a lot yeah. of people disagree with me. I think that's fine. I think that's good. You know, People need to disagree. People need to have these conversations. And the, the bottom line I'm taking way too long to get to here is it's not just me. Now, I've got my ideas of balance. Other people have their ideas. We've all got to work together to find out the correct answer. And what I suggest might not be the correct answer. It might only be part of it. Yeah. Yeah, they they weigh in a lot of uh, different suggestions, you know, and try to balance out to see what would work the best. So. And there, there is a danger that you've got to be careful when you listen to multiple different voices. Um, we in the West have a very different way of interacting with our developers than uh, like Chinese games do. In China, it's very much seen as the developers make the game. It's their job to make the game. Therefore, they know more than I do. And it's just very much hands-off. The developers get on with their thing, and the game was just kind of go, okay, if I enjoy it, I'll keep playing it. If not, I'll move on to something else. Um, for better or for worse, depending on which way you want to look at it, there are pros and cons to both ways. In the West, the communities are a lot more integrated developers we want to talk to our developers and i think if you've come from eve online where you've seen how active ccp are with their community we're, we're utterly spoiled in eve online. like the developers in that game interact more than is healthy i think at times um but they love it and we love it i just think that when it comes down to it the loudest group of voices doesn't necessarily mean they're right mm -hmm. there's a lot of people complaining about scanning and sitting there saying, oh, I want this and I want that. And I hate the fact that I can't sit in bad hair day all day. But it's a good thing for the game that that has been fixed. It needed to happen. Insurance is another one. There's a lot of people complain about how insurance is implemented. 
um, and cry out for the ISK system online, where you know, oh, if you blow up a ship in there with your insurance, you get paid back in ISK. It's so so easy to exploit. You just decide you don't want a ship anymore, you blow it up, and you get all of the ISK back for it by another ship. It's it doesn't incentivize the things it's supposed to incentivize. Yeah, I know the insurance system we have can still be exploited. If you've just finished your procurer and you want to fit all of your mining circulation rigs onto a coveter, yeah, you yeet the uh, you unfit everything else and you yeet it at the nearest group of pirates. Claim insurance, get those rig backs and strap them to your hull. We all know how this works. There's things like that. Oh, yeah, but only thirty percent of buy orders are fulfilled. Then there's the fact that if you're paying with insurance points ahead of time, you're only paying 30% of the cost of your ship. If it was 100% of buy orders for 30% of the cost of the ship, that's causing inflation as well. There's so much more going on in the background than any one person can look at. It's the devs' jobs to know all of this information, to see right. all this data. Yeah. Well, I don't want to continue beating a dead horse or anything. <laughs> Sorry. But yeah, we just have to be optimistic for that. So uh, I, I did want to note, uh, you commented on the Maelstrom as a good choice. Uh, are you, you're a big fan of that ship as well? You know me, I love cannons. Oh, yes, man. <laughs> I, you know, when I first started this game, I immediately thought end game. So uh, I, I found a, I eventually found the ship tree. And uh, I was going through basically the, last, the the latest ships you can get. At the time, it was the Maelstrom Striker. And at I think even at T9. And then uh, I was looking at the ships. I was like, okay, which one do I see myself like flying? <laughs> you know, which one do I think looks the best for the end game type ship? And uh, I, I chose the Maelstrom. And... I was a bit pissed off when they took the Maelstrom Striker out and replaced it with the Tempest Striker and then threw the Maelstrom at T10. Because then I had to wait another three months just to get the ship that I wanted at the start of the game. And yeah. uh, But when T10 rolled around, I was still T9, uh, Maelstrom BPs started rolling out and uh, I, I immediately bought a BP and started mining and collecting planetary for it and I don't know I, I'd, probably, I'd probably say in the time that I play probably took me about a month to um, actually get the materials and mine for it you know mine all the ore and get all the planetary for it and uh by the time I got all of that, I was already T10. I already had all the money to uh, build. I already had the blueprint. I gave it all that stuff to one of my builders in my corp, had them build it. I had it in my hands 19 hours later. I spent $2 billion plus just to fit it, and I retired my mock. <laughs> with the, the Maelstrom before Concord 3, the Maelstrom with a core on it had better DPS than a mock rail. And so Good my, so I, I compared it, you know, I took all the fittings off my mock, put them onto my Maelstrom and my Maelstrom had better DPS. I was like, okay, this is what I'm using currently. I dumped a lot of money into it, you know, on rigs and whatnot. Um, I spared no expense on blinging it. And uh, the mock has been collecting dust ever since. But now that we have dark halos coming out, and uh look who's on the list to get a dark halo i'm like well shoot yeah. now yep. 
but I don't know. But at the end of the day, I still want to say that Maelstrom fitted with the core. You know, at the end of the day, then I'm looking at insurance. Okay, so say I do get a group that, you know, jump me and I do end up losing it and having to yeah, claim insurance. Yeah, it's like if I do end up losing it, then at the end of the day, it's going to cost me a bit cheap, you know, less insurance points to recover that than it would potentially the mock. So I, I, I still think uh, I'm going to maintain my, my Maelstrom. And I'm still a bit torn. I, I'm thinking about throwing a Thermo 2 Nanocore on it as soon as I get the points, just so I can get that 18% upgraded from the 14% that I'm already at. And I still have level 1s. I, <laughs> I spent nothing on upgrading the actual Nanocores. Um, I don't have... I don't know. Maybe I just don't have that, you know... Uh, I wouldn't say dedication, but it's probably the time, you know, to be able to yeah, get all that stuff. It's a lot of effort to do it. Yeah. It is such an effort. So, yeah, the Maelstrom is my baby, though. I love that ship. That's a cool-looking ship, and I'm surprised to hear that, actually, that it can get uh, higher than the, uh, the Macariel on DPS. I say surprised. <laughs> <laughs> that said, before you before you try like anything like that, have you seen uh, Silky? recently put out well, i say recently started the project six months ago um an eve echoes fitting tool it's available on android ios mac linux and windows um you put in your character skills you can then just pull up all of the stuff there try out a fitting and actually see how it works out side by side so you can have a look at your maelstrom in game um, and then you can try fitting the Macariel in that same gear with the new nano core on and see if it actually does come out in better dps or better stats um, compared to the Maelstrom. Of course, the Maelstrom, the other big bonus of it, though, is the fact that it gets that it's shield booster. Mm -hmm. and it gets a shield booster bonus. Yeah. 37.5%, I think, at full training or something like that. That's a lot of extra healing. That is a tanky ship, which means if you do get caught by a fleet of interceptors, you're going to be around for a little bit longer while yeah. help comes to yeah, you. Yeah, hopefully you get help. help. Yep. Definitely that. Well, uh, oh, I, I <laughs> when I first got it, I immediately fit it for anti-interceptor. You know, it's... I think that's something everyone does. Like the first thing you do, you get your battleship, you put all the tank on it you can, and then you strap on everything you can to make sure you can do. This is the other thing that I'm worried about going back towards the whole interceptor conversation here. Um, but they're not just dominating the small ship game. They are basically shaping the meta around everything else as well. You look at an interceptor, and you know, so you look at a battleship or something like that, and the first question you ask yourself is, can this handle an interceptor? Yep. I'm not going to go back into an interceptor. <laughs> yeah, promise. immediately when I undocked it, it was specifically to combat an interceptor. So, Have you had to test that yet? I've tested it. And I know the pros and cons, but I'm not going to make that public. <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you, uh, I'll, I'll tell you once we stop recording. How about that? But, uh, so, but yeah, moving on, um, you know, and, and you were talking about earlier, you'd, you'd mentioned that there's no big wars going on and, uh, which is true because it looks like SHH had wrapped up the war up North, um, with fireflies basically, not disintegrating, but uh, it's a it's a D word. <laughs> they got like dismantled, I guess you could say, um, and they got spread out. You know, some joined GenFed, some joined SHH. I think some even joined No, and so that war is pretty much wrapped up. 
and uh and and it's cooling down i know you were part of the 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 oh, southern war yes yep. and dude i have to ask about the hat you know and when mama told me about that when mama rex told me i was like wow you know that was so cool you commented on you commented on my podcast that day you know of uh, uh, the uh yep. all the good things about yep, it but that made me laugh so much. I, I genuinely, I was howling, absolutely <laughs> howling. My wife was sitting next to me. She obviously she knows what's uh, you know what what's transpired recently in the game at that point as well. And a friend of mine has you know sort of suggested, "I'll oh, listen to this podcast. It's got to listen." And it's like I don't know what's going on. Yes, absolutely, I'm going to listen to this. Well, and it hit that point. And she's like, "Wait, are they are they talking about you?" And I'm like, "Yeah." And then she said that whole line about like when she goes into work. And they asked what they did over the weekend, and her line was, "I beat an a- an African warlord and stole his hat." Yeah, <laughs> epic. <laughs> and if other just, people in the room are like, "What is she talking about?" You know. It's... <laughs> oh, it was all good times. I mean, yeah. th- that entire war was—it was hectic, but it was incredible. There was a point where. Um, they landed in one of our NPC stations and they just occupied our empire for like an entire week. So every time you undock to anything, there's someone jumping you trying to blow your ship. It was insane. Um, a lot <laughs> of fun. You know, I've, I've said before, you know, some people get really salty when they lose a ship. I only get upset when I lose a ship if it just didn't do anything. So like losing a through war in a gate um, because of a bug where the game just didn't load properly. That sucks. And that made me angry. That. Um, launching a worm at an Abaddon, only for the Abaddon to run away and leave me alone in uh, one of the Tech 10 storylines. That was hilarious. That was absolutely hilarious. And so, for me, the war was a lot of fun. We learned a lot. We grew a lot as an alliance. Um, And when when everyone else sort of stepped back, when they came into the peace talks and everyone sort of said, right, okay, well, it looks like the war's ending. Um, I think I can't remember if it was Mama directly. Someone suggested, "Oh, we also want his hat." And I sat there, and people were sending me screenshots of this. I'm, I wasn't part of the peace talks myself. Um, I just sort of got a load of screenshots from our uh, executors and stuff, and I just went, "You know what? Let's do this." And I messaged Mama, and I said, "Look, you know, how can we make this happen?" She gave me the details. I shoved the hat in a box, shipped it back <laughs> to my folks in the UK. They then put it uh, on uh, delivery to the US. Um, sure enough, she did an unboxing stream, and there's my hat now with Mamasaurus live in person. <laughs> um, I've replaced it since. Okay, yeah. <laughs> I bought myself another one. Every month, um, I have a consignment, like a not a shipping container, it's just a cardboard box full of stuff from the UK comes out here. So, like chocolate, sweets, the occasional little board game, and bits and pieces I need, like my new microphone and stuff. Nice. Um, so I've got a got a new hat sent out in uh, in in that the month after, but yeah, there was like a month period where like no hat, and I'm sitting there feeling sad every time I want. Yeah, like, you were oh, just Benzy. You were just Benzy. Yeah. You weren't Captain Benzy. <laughs> exactly, and that made me sad. Um, like there was a period where I was doing sort of live action intros to some of my videos, and I had some really cool ideas for some of these. Like I can't do it because I haven't got that right now. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't want to be on camera without it. Um, but yeah, no, I'm glad people had a laugh at it. It was just one of those, this this would be funny. It would be funny. Someone suggested it, so let's make it happen. We now actually have a capsule outpost 
in our home system called the hat stand um someone at one point in time created a character called captain benzie's hat um and just used to fly around new england yeah. <laughs> uh, there's a brilliant screenshot of uh, Captain Benzie's hat appearing at one of our battles and yelling in all caps in local, no, don't give me to the heathens. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I remember that. Mama was talking about that. I thought that was funny because I, I seen a snippet of that character uh, and, and it's, it was Captain Benzie's hat and it, you know, where it tells where the uh, the corporation and the alliance... <laughs> And it was in GenFed, or it, I think it was before it was in GenFed. I was like, oh, there's an actual character. But uh, yeah, and then later and I it wish joined GenFed. <laughs> I wish I could take credit for that. That was just such an epic, epic moment. And I think after, as I said, for me personally, I quite enjoyed the war. It was a lot of fun. I lost a lot of ships. Um, it's also why I stopped turning up to Call to Arms as Captain Benzie or Silent Rose, because literally it doesn't matter what I'm flying, I'm always the first to be Alfred because everyone wants that kill mail. Yeah. Um, you and Damon Zell Yeah. <laughs> it's a curse. Um, it's useful, though, at times. You can rock up to a gate camp and you're the distraction. Um, people will... I've sat there before and, you know, you've got that, like, raven sitting on gates that won't aggress because it knows there's a fleet by spots captain benzie oh no it's gonna open fire and suddenly it can't jump the gate anymore i lose my ship and all my friends jump in and finish them off uh, <laughs> and then the memes pour sucks that it... yes exactly that and it's just uh it's it's you know it's, it's a curse but it's good fun at the same time um but just i think after the war so many people were like really worn out from it that was a long long war and it kept changing and there were so many sort of bad bad blood memes and things like that a lot of people down so when when sort of mama joked about that and like both of us were just straight up like let's make this happen let's let's cheer some people up and i'm just glad it worked really glad it worked yeah yeah so well let's uh so you you got a new mic set up and uh you know, and you're still doing all your content creation through your phone still. So uh, even this this new mic that you have, uh, you, you're still working it through your phone. <laughs> you still get to yeah, continue yeah, saying, exactly. hey, I only create videos using my phone. It's it's one of those some people have accused me in the past. of It's not really just your phone, is it? And it's like I'm not saying it just my phone like I, I i don't use a headset in the past or you know this kind of thing i have to use a router to upload my video does that mean i'm using not just my phone right <laughs> the point is that i'm not using a computer for any of this yes it's entirely my phone the new mic is a sure mv88 plus i think it's called it's a USB-C microphone. It plugs straight into the bottom of my phone it's got a beautiful little tripod sitting up in front of me here and it's it, it's a nice little carry case. I can just carry this around. Um, like we travel a lot here in Zimbabwe. We often go up to my wife's mother um, at the fishing camp in Masuna. Um, so I can just shove this in a backpack and I can still make content there. I don't have to lug something like a computer or a laptop on a full setup. It's just a little microphone on a little stand with my actual phone. I'm recording footage in-game on my phone using a screen recorder. I plug a microphone in and I record straight onto the phone over the top of that. And then the videos themselves are edited in an app called Kinemaster, which is on my phone. So the entire process is done using just 
this device. No, no laptop, no computer, nothing else on the sides there. Yeah, it's and... a challenge. <laughs> yeah, and uh, one thing that's exciting is that this podcast is being recorded, and it's one giant test for your microphone because this is the first time oh, we've heard you crazy. use it. <laughs> Yeah, I recorded a video this morning, um, actually talking about uh, Silky's, uh, like, Eve Echo's tool um, on that. That's due out in a couple of hours from the time we're making this podcast. Um, that was the first one I've personally tried with the mic, and I'm I'm still playing with the settings, so I apologize if it's you know, not great. I can modify this, and I'm still learning how to actually get it all working, but at least I don't sound like I'm on, in a bloody submarine anymore. Right, yeah. <laughs> used to sound like in podcasts. All right. Well, um, you got any hints on to um, some upcoming projects? For me personally, not overly. I don't tend to aim too far ahead with my content. The simple fact that Evechoes is quite a swiftly changing game. Like I know it's a long time between balance patches, but people keep coming up with new ideas. I wasn't intending to do a video on the worm anytime recently but frosty jack just came up to me and was like hey look at these kills that i've done i'm like hell i need to put that in a video and then raman and all that came up to me with theirs as well and so there's a nice little bit of just the community says i want this and i think it'd be really cool if that and so i just put those out i don't want to have too much um in the long-term scope of things that said i am looking uh, currently at trying to get set up for live streaming trying to figure out how to do that entirely from my phone. Um, because I think that could be a lot of fun as well, but I still have my videos Monday through Friday. But I have something on the side that people can just interact with me directly, and I can showcase what it is that I actually like to do in the game myself. Like I think a lot of people, I get accused a lot of the time that, oh, all you do in-game is frigates and destroyers, so your opinions in the game are based entirely around that. It's like, that's actually not true i probably spend more time on my battle group than anything else right now and so i think it'd be fun to sit down and actually stream this and chill and play the game with some people but that requires a me figuring out how to, to work this and b our internet company actually getting that fiber optic cable um into our property they told us it'd be eight to eleven weeks that was september last year it's been eight to eleven months and we've still not right. got anything so We'll see. Yeah. We'll see. All right. Well, uh, I, th I think we'll uh, start closing it out here. So if you have any closing thoughts or shout outs. No, at this point, um, as I said, the one thing I do just want to give a, a brief shout out to is genuinely that app that I mentioned. Um, Sweet. It's called Silky's Wonderful Eve Echoes. It's a fitting tool. It's a market analysis tool. Um, it's skill management, all that kind of thing, all rolled into one. It's free to download. It's an amazing project. And like you mentioned earlier with your Maelstrom and your Macariel, rather than sit there and play around with rigs and try to work out what's going to be best and spend a lot of money um, in the process, give that a try. I think that's it's really actually really impressed me this weekend. I've been playing with it a lot. Um, but no, I just apologize for rambling and ranting so much <laughs> about uh, about the game. Um, I really don't mind if you cut out that entire hour in the middle um, where I talk about just blah. No, um, it's all good info, and uh, I enjoy listening to it, yeah. And genuinely, thank you for having me. It's uh, I really enjoy doing this kind of stuff. Um, it's nice to get to just sit and talk to someone about the game, and 
I think my wife, bless her, she's going to sit there and be just like, oh, yes, he gets to talk to someone else for a couple of hours. <laughs> yeah. And, and she doesn't put, and your wife doesn't play the game. See, my wife does. And so she kind of already knows like what's going on, you know? She sort of does. She dabbles here and there. Um, but I, I can talk about this an awful lot. Like uh, uh, more than I think is ultimately healthy. But in fairness, no, I, I, I do joke. I do joke. She's incredibly supportive um, when it comes to me and my content. Like if I sit here and say right now, you know, I need to go and uh, sit down for a podcast. Um, I need the house to be quiet. Please keep the dogs and everyone you know, <laughs> away from the door. I don't want interruptions and things like that. She'll go and do it. And she won't even ask me how long it's going to be. It's just a, oh, it'll be done when it's done. So yeah, bless her. Love her to peace. Isn't I've never known someone quite that supportive. It's uh, terrifying at times. <laughs> well, so uh, shout out to her. So definitely a shout out to her. Well, Benzi, it was a pleasure talking with you, and I'm so glad that we actually got to sit down and um, and have you on the show. So, man, it, it was nice talking to you. I hope to do this again. We will have to do this again. There's so much stuff to talk about, literally. And and you you're on the next level of eve echoes knowledge and uh Shame, thank you uh, uh, there's some people who disagree with that but <laughs> you, you know so much you know com, 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 compared to even other content creators and casual players like you know and we're, we're talking about the concord pass and and uh it, you just know these ships and their buffs and the stuff that you know what it, it's just crazy how much stuff you know <laughs> so it's just a thirst for knowledge and a ever so slightly overwhelming obsession with the game i live i live this game it's it's literally my job it's my hobby it's my passion it's everything i do from dusk till dawn pretty much is evecos related um so there are definitely people who know more than i do about certain aspects of the game and 100 i bow down to those people and i'll sit there and say like yeah you know, there are plenty of people i have as a support network where if i'm not sure about a topic i'll ask them and i'll get multiple opinions it's not just me. There's a whole team that basically come together for this. That's what Cat Skull's about. No, I'm not promoting my uh, my alliance and my uh, corporation in your uh, in your podcast. Just that's what we do. Yeah, that's what we do. But yeah, thank you ever so much for having me. Sorry that it took so long for me to respond and do all this, and sorry for rambling, hey, chewing your ears off. It's all a okay man hey i i hope to have you on again so until then fly safe and uh take care out there happy sailing well that wraps it up for this week if you like the show please rate it and review it on apple Podcasts, spotify or on youtube subscribe to my youtube channel for future videos also if you wish please join my discord that is where I do my roundtable talks. I post all of my episodes there, and I have my guest list shown. And you can also post your very own corp ad. I'll leave that link to the Discord in the description. And if you want even more Eve Echoes news and a deeper dive into what's going on in the galaxy, go check out Damon Zell over on YouTube on his show, Echoes from the Front, where he goes over game announcements, patch notes, alliance drama, battles, and much more. So thank you everybody for listening, take care, fly dangerously, and I'll see you next week. Oh, no.